morning. Welcome. Glad you're worshiping with us today. If you're here in person joining us online, so glad that Journey is a part of your day today. I want to start a little bit differently than we normally start. I need to do a commercial, and then I want us to pray. Um, commercial. <clears throat> if, you're, if you're new, and I've met several of you who are here for the first time today, um, we're in a series called The Generous Life, and we're talking about uh, generosity, not in the sense of just occasionally having a generous moment, but how do we develop a heart that is continually sensitive to how God wants to use us uh, in, in all ways to be generous uh, to the people around us. And so we have some generosity opportunities uh, for you as we go through this series. When you leave, and we'll remind you at the end, when you leave, there's a table on this end of the hallway, close to the coffee bar, and uh, there are opportunities for you to sign up to be involved in these uh, generosity efforts. They are, let me tell you about some of them, uh, we are partnering with trying to build a really good relationship with Walton County DFACS uh, because of the hard and wonderful work that they do in our community and for our community. And so a couple of ways that you can be generous to them. Uh, one is... Uh, just taking two minutes to write a note of encouragement to them. We have cards at the tables. Uh, we have little stickers you can put in there. We have a variety of things that you can include. We have sample cards so you kind of know what to say to them. But we want to say uh, on a regular basis to Walton County Defects caseworkers, thank you for the hard work that you do. We know that we don't even see all of the ways that you serve our community. So Two minutes, you write a card uh, to one of the caseworkers at Walton County Defects. Another thing we're going to do in the coming weeks is uh, they have a couple of visitation rooms that they need cleaned out and spruced up. Uh, their building is like all buildings in COVID. They, they weren't using the building. And so just like we did, you just start sticking things places. And, and by two years later, everything stacked up. So we're going to go in. We're going to throw a bunch of stuff away. We may donate some new stuff, some new furniture, paint the walls, just make it look nicer. And so if you want to help with that, there's a sign up in the hallway. We'll give you all the information about how to do that. If you want to contribute financially, Bring $10 gift cards to fast food restaurants, uh, gas cards, groceries. Uh, often, caseworkers, as they are managing kids or picking up kids in the middle of the night, they pick up somebody who needs clothes, needs diapers, needs uh, a meal. Um, and oftentimes they pay for that out of their own pocket and never get reimbursed. And so we just want to supply a little stash of cards that if they're having to make a late night run and they might have to buy a meal for a child, they can just pick out one of our cards and they'll have it and it'll be paid for. So those are a couple of ways we're going to partner with Walton County Defects. You can sign up for those. Uh, a fourth uh, act. Uh, act of generosity for this series our friends at path united they need some light maintenance work on some of their buildings uh, if you're familiar with path united they do ministries primarily in uh, hispanic uh, mobile home parks and they do after school tutoring we have some people in our church who volunteer with them we have some people who work with them um, uh, we've contributed to their ministries many times before but if you can change out a, a 
board on a deck that's starting to rot, if you can help pull up carpet, if you can just do some light maintenance work for them, we're trying to get a list of people in our church who'd be willing to do that, and then we're going to take a Saturday or a Thursday or a Sunday, and, and we'll hit some of those places and get those spruced up for them. Sign up for that in the hallway. Last thing I'll mention this morning is we want to train some more care teams for our foster families. Uh, this is a group of people that pray for, encourage, occasionally provide a meal for one of our foster families. And we start by putting care teams around the foster families in our church. But we have also put care teams around families that don't go to our church, families in our community that are in crisis or in need. They need some support. Angela Valenzuela is doing a training for foster care care teams June 5th after the 11 o'clock service. There'll be lunch. She'll do training. You can decide at that point if you're on board or not, uh, but if you have an interest in supporting foster care families, sign up in the hallway. Also, the handy-dandy QR code that's in the back pocket now, if you scan that and go to events, you'll see the Generous Life graphic. Click there, click one more time, and you'll have access to signing up for all of that online. Okay, that's the commercial prayer. Over the last eight days, we have unfortunately witness our hearts have been broken again by extreme violence uh, in our country um, Saturday a week ago in Buffalo uh, in a primarily uh, black community people went to the grocery store just to shop just to buy necessities and 10 of them didn't go home that day because a shooter went in this particular one racially motivated and killed uh, 10 people Sunday a week ago, uh, the Taiwanese Presbyterian Church in Laguna Hills, California, they were worshiping just like us, and somebody walked in with a gun, and one brave person who was just bringing his mom to church that day, a physician, bringing his mom to church that day, confronted the guy, he, the guy was killed, but probably saved a lot of lives. Um, we hear those stories, and, and let's be honest, we don't we don't always know what to do. We, we don't know how to respond, but we can always respond by praying. We can always ask God for mercy. We can, we can pray for congregations all over Buffalo that are going to be missing congregants today. A Taiwanese church that will meet today to worship God for the very first time since that traumatic act. We can stand in solidarity with them in prayer. And so I just want us to take a moment to do that, and then we'll dive into the message today. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you again as we seem to uh, so often in the face uh, of random callous violence in our nation. And we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace on those who have been affected. Uh, we plead for the conscience of our nation uh, that we would turn to you, that you would, you would heal us of the hatred that's buried in so many hearts and so many lives and so many messages uh, in our country, God, we pray against any any system that establishes uh, the idea of one race being superior to another, one race being supreme over all the others. God, that's from hell. That 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 is uh, demonic in its nature, and we pray against it in our country. And and we pray for our own hearts that you would know up, you, you would help us know how to respond, how to stand with our brothers and sisters of other races who 
have been targeted yet once again. God, make us sensitive. Let us share the love of Christ with the people that we know. Let us be examples of your grace and mercy in this world. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're, st- we're in a series called The Generous Life, and I uh, kind of already detailed it a little bit for you. Today, uh, w- w- introduced it last week, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take specific ways that we can be generous. Up front with you today, uh, we're going to talk about the most difficult one. We're going to go ahead and get this out of the way, right? This is the, the most difficult form of generosity. And when I say it's the most difficult, um, it, it, it is in one sense. In another sense, it's kind of the easiest way to be generous. It's the quickest way to be generous. It's the easiest way to be generous. As a matter of fact, some of us have, at times, we have opted for this form of generosity to get us out of another form of generosity. Right? I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about your checkbook your wallet. If this is your first time here, and I know it is for some of you, we don't talk about this every week. It's not a theme of our church, but generosity is taught in the Bible, and so we we address it every once in a while. And as I said last week, you're just lucky enough to be here on the Sunday. We're going to talk about it. The doors are locked. You can't leave. Um, (laughs) Now, this is one of the easiest forms of generosity in the sense that it's the quickest And as I said, some of you, you've had this conversation with yourself. You have said, I will write the check as long as I don't have to sell the thing that my kid brought home from school. Huh? As long as I don't have to sell the thing for the travel ball team, I will just go online and make the payment. You know you have. If I can get out of working concessions by writing a check, I will write the check. And maybe you added colorful language to that because you were so frustrated by having to write the check. But you wrote the check because it's the easiest way to get out of it. Right? I'll just do the thing. I'll just write the check. I'll just swipe the card. I'll just takes 15 seconds, right? I don't know if anybody writes checks anymore, but it takes like 15 seconds to go online. Your, your card is already saved in your computer, right? You just, and you're, and you're done. In that sense, this is the easiest way to be generous. In another sense, this is the most difficult to Right? We get the most hostile about this one. Like I said last week, especially in this room. At work, we're not as hostile. Out there, we're not as hostile. But this topic at church from the preacher, whoo, we get really defensive about this topic. Right? So this is the hardest one to talk about. It's one of the hardest ones to, to, to build a habit of, like to consistently, continually fulfill this type of generosity and yet the bible talks about it now i'm going to try in the time that we have today i'm going to try to move really quickly and be very practical and we're probably not going to do a deep dive on any of these points this could be a whole series by itself aren't you glad it's not right this we could talk for weeks about each little part of this I'm just going to kind of practically give you some ideas and, and, and not spend a whole lot of time on any of them. Um, but we need to talk about this. Um, if you are not a believer, if you're here today and, and 
you're not a person who believes in God or you're not sure about Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, most of what we talk about doesn't apply to you today. Like you get the week off if that's you. Um, that's not to say that if you're not a Christian, you can't be generous. I'm not saying that at all. There are wonderfully generous atheists, wonderfully generous people of other religions. What I'm saying is we're taking our cues this morning from the Bible. And if you're not sure you believe all of that, then you sit this one out, right? This, this isn't really for you. But if you're here and you say, look, I try to live my life by the Bible. I believe there's a God. I believe he has a plan and a purpose in the world. I believe he wants to use me in that plan that he has for the world. I believe that God wants me to love and care for my neighbor. If that's you, then I'm talking to you, all right? This is our conversation uh, this morning as to what God has to say to us about this issue of generosity. I've got four things you need to recognize and five decisions that you need to make. Sounds like a lot. I'm going to move really quickly. Four things you need to recognize in order to become generous with your finances. This is number one. Recognize the potential dangers of money. Just recognize the potential dangers. If you, if you and I are going to develop a heart that's willing to let go of money. Remember last week I, I said that as a kid, we learned the phrase, mine, mine, mine. And that's especially true with money. Mine. It's mine. I earned it. I worked for that. I worked overtime for this. I went to school for this. I, I have a degree in this. Money, it just does something to us, and we get possessive, and we get defensive. That's part of why the Bible warns us about it. When we talk about money, it's mostly in a positive sense. We talk about earning money. We, we talk about wanting to be at a certain income. We, we talk about, I want my kids to be able to earn a certain amount. We, we talk about savings and, and retirement. Uh, the stock market, which if you're talking about the stock market, that's not a very positive conversation right now. But normally, the way we talk about money, it's always a good thing, something to strive for. And there are aspects of that when it comes to money. But when the Bible talks about money, it gives us way more warnings than positive. The Bible constantly says, oh, by the way, be really careful. This will mess with your heart. Oh, by the way, be, be really careful. A desire for more and more will mess with your soul. You got to be really careful. And we don't have that conversation very often. We only talk about money as a positive Thing. occasionally we see the documentary of the lottery winner who like blows up their life and we go ah see there that wouldn't be me i should get a million dollars but we occasionally we have that money can really mess you up but most of the time we talk about it only in positive terms and the bible's waving this flag very often just be careful just be careful I'll give you an example this is paul He's writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor. So he's trying to prepare Timothy as he's maturing as a pastor. He's been talking to Timothy, ironically enough, about preachers who misuse their position to get rich. Okay, that's the context of this conversation. False teachers, bad pastors, preachers who use the platform to get wealthy. And then Paul makes this general statement about wealth. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is gain. Stop striving so much. Be content. 
For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's quite a warning, isn't it? Be careful. People who are obsessed with money, people running after money, they have plunged their lives into ruin. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul just balls up all of these warnings. People have ruined their lives. People have walked away from the faith. People have pierced their hearts with many griefs. Why? Because they were chasing after wealth. Is Paul saying that wealth is bad? Nope. Is he saying that wealth is wrong? Nope. He's not saying any of that, but he's giving a pretty clear warning. You've got to really monitor your heart in this world of materialism. You've got to really monitor your heart. When the predominant message you and I are going to hear about wealth is just get more, just get more, just get more, just get, keep all you can, keep all you, it's yours, it's yours. You have got to guard your heart and mind in that culture. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. And I know there's debates about what camel and needle means. The point was, it's going to be hard because riches have a way of pulling us away from what's eternally important. Did Jesus say rich people can't go to heaven? No, he did not say that. The next verse, he said everything's possible with God, but he gives this warning. The Bible's full of these types of warning. Be very careful. Be clear-minded when it comes to wealth. God allows you to have wealth. God allows wealth to flow into our lives for His purposes and, and His glory. That's not a bad thing. But you and I have to be very careful when it comes to managing our wealth. If you and I want to be generous givers, we've got to be honest about this. I did... The thing that helps sort of break this mold in our hearts, one of the things that interrupts this corrosive tendency of finances is to be open-handed with what we have. That's just one of the things that breaks that corrosive tendency is when we're generous with what we have and when I'm not. Like when, when I have an opportunity to give and I and I clench my fist and mine, like you can't have it. That, that's probably a pretty good indication that wealth is having its negative work in my heart. And I need to correct that. I, I, I need to figure out what's happening in my heart. So number one, recognize that there's this danger with wealth. It's not bad. It's not terrible. You can have it. It just doesn't need to have you. You don't need to be consumed with it. And one of the ways to not be consumed with it is to have an open hand when it comes to generosity. Another thing to recognize. Recognize the benefit of organizing your finances. I told you this is going to be really practical. Recognize there is a benefit in having detailed organization when it comes to our finances. Some of us struggle to give, I think, because we don't, we don't really know what we have. We assume we have whatever our online account says we have, right? And we hope 
that it doesn't get to zero by the first of the next month, right? That's, we're just hoping it doesn't wind all the way down, but we don't really have any sense of, well, this is how much comes in, and this is how much goes out, and this, it, this is where it goes. We don't have a clear sense of how much we spend on different things. We don't have a clear sense of how much we spend on necessities and how much we spend on extras and things we like and things maybe we could do without. We don't have a clear sense of just how many different streaming services we've subscribed to over the last two years, right? Some of us dropped cable because it was too expensive, and now we have 27 streaming subscriptions, and we don't even know what it adds up to, but it's probably more than we were paying for cable. And the Bible, and we won't chase down all the verses, the Bible says it's good to have a little bit of organization in your financial world. This uh, uh, interesting verse, know the condition of your flocks. He was speaking to a, a particular type of culture. But translated to us, it's like, know what you have. Know what's coming in. Know what's going out. Tell your money what to do. Be in control of your money. And for some of us, it's very difficult to be consistently generous. That's not to say we aren't occasionally generous, but it's difficult to be consistently generous because we're not real sure what we have, where it's going, what we have to pay, and, and what is coming in. There's not one way to do this. And again, we can't do a deep dive on this today. There's apps and websites and courses and studies. And we've offered uh, financial management courses here. We will offer them again. All of those are wonderful ways just to get organized, to get a clear picture of what's coming in and where my money's going so that I can begin to assess, God, how can I be more generous with what I have? Third, recognize. Recognize the potential dangers of debt. Recognize the potential dangers of debt. Some of us have very little discretionary say in where our finances go because we're living under so much debt. We've accumulated so much debt over the years. It's piled up. And so from month to month, our main focus is trying to service our debt load and not get farther behind, and interest is piling on month after month. The Bible speaks about this a lot too. Right? The, the, this is another warning the Bible gives over and over again. The Bible says two things about debt. Pay it if you owe it. And then the second thing it says is try not to be in it. Right? The borrower is slave to the lender. The, the Bible says we're putting ourselves in, in the position of being owned by someone else. Right? We, we owe something to somebody, therefore they are over us. Bible, the Bible says that's the position you put yourself in when you go into debt. Full disclosure, I'm not someone who thinks that all debt is sin and you're going to hell if you have any debt. I'm not that person. I, I don't think the Bible says that all debt is wrong. I do think the Bible says most debt is unwise. Most debt is unwise, especially consumer debt, things that lose its value, things you're going to pay high interest on. Again, the Bible's trying to help you. The Bible's your friend if you'll let it be. The Bible's just trying to say, be careful, be really careful, be really careful. Get out of it as quickly as you can. Only go into debt with great wisdom and great hesitancy. Stay away, stay away. Warning Will Robinson, all of those things. The Bible's just really clear. 
this can be dangerous. And, and if we treat it like it's not dangerous, then we find ourselves trapped. And this is not meant to make anybody feel guilty or embarrassed. I don't know your financial situation. You don't know mine. I will tell you, there have been times that my wife and I have had very little financial margin because we got ourselves in debt and had to dig out. We, we've been there, all right? This, this is not, you're bad if you're there. I've been there too. Like we, we've had those times, and we've kind of swung back and forth. From Some of you know what this is like. We got out, and we got back in, and we got out, and we got back in, right? So this is, this is not to make anybody feel guilty. This is to say, hey, what's going to free our heart up? What's going to alleviate some stress? Because you know what that does to you when you're under that pressure you know what it does to your marriage and your relationships the person that you become when you're under that weight of debt and 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 the bible tells us god because he loves us he says that you got to be careful you got to be very avoid as much as you can be really careful when it comes to debt uh last recognize recognize the gift that giving is to the giver and we spent a lot of time on this last week i just wanted to put it back in i'm not going to reteach this part but those of you who are generous you have discovered either the reason you became generous or as you learn to be generous you have discovered it just does something in your heart it just it matures you it, it gives you a vision for the love of God and how to express it at times. It, 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 God gives goodness and blessing to us as we are givers. You know, always say, if you give $100, God's not going to give you $1,000 necessarily. Or you're not, maybe you're not going to get a new car or a bigger house. God doesn't promise that sort of transactional relationship with us. But if you're generous, you know the type of person you become as you are generous as you hold your stuff loosely just recognize that recognize there is good that comes to us as we are generous now being generous requires some specific decision making you and i have to make some specific decisions if we want to be generous this is paul again and we read it last week it's in the intro video but i'm going to read it again second corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly whoever sows generously will also reap generously each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work yeah that's chapter 9 if you back up to chapter 8 Paul begins a conversation with the Corinthian church about an offering that he's going to take when he gets there he says look we're going to we're going to collect an offering I want you to be ready I want you to know it's coming not going to be a surprise we're going to take up an offering and that offering is going to help expand the work of the kingdom. Paul was planting churches. He was a missionary. Paul said that offering is going to help us support churches and support the work of God and specifically help support churches that were dealing with extreme poverty. Paul said, look, we need to encourage other believers. We, we need to help other believers financially. And so when I get there, I'm going to collect an offering and, and he, he gives them this advice he says I, I want each person to give what God's put on your heart to give 
I want each person to give what they have decided to give based on what God has told them. So there was a decision involved, according to Paul. They had to decide. And, and, and here's a couple of things you have to decide if you want to be generous. And the first one is, we must decide that we will give. That's a decision. Giving is a decision before it's an act, right? The act follows a decision that you make. We decide, I'm going to be a giver. And then we begin to practice that based on the decision that we've made. Now, immediately, when we talk about deciding to be a giver, for some of us, we begin to push back with questions, right? Well, I don't make as much as a lot of people. Well, what if I don't make enough money? Well, this is going on. Well, I have this much debt. Well, this is happening. Well, this other thing is happening in my life. And I would encourage you, whatever the details of your circumstance right now, and that's between you, that's, that's, that's not for me to know. Whatever the details of your circumstances are right now, whatever the situation is, decide to be a giver where you are in your circumstances, with what's happening in your life. Now, your circumstances may impact what you can give or how much you can give or the way you go about giving. All of that is true, but being a giver is a decision you can make regardless of your circumstances. Paul talks about some people in chapter 8, verse 2, who had very difficult circumstances. It, it, Paul writes, "...and our brothers and sisters..." We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul said, look, the Macedonian church had nothing. They are the poorest of the poor, and they found a way to be generous. They gave Something. Paul doesn't put a dollar amount there. Paul doesn't say they gave more than these other people gave. He's not comparing. Paul is just saying their circumstances were really, really bad, and they decided to give anyway. And I want to encourage you, just make the decision. Just start. This is how giving happens in our life. We just start. We just decide to start. Same way getting out of debt. How do you get out of debt? Well, you just start. Right? You start with a plan. You do something. You get started. When it comes to giving, I want to encourage you, just start. Just start. Just decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a giver. Another decision. We must decide what we will give. You decide that you're going to give, and then you got to decide, all right, what am I going to give? How much am I going to give? How is this going to work? That's another decision that you make. Because if you decide that you're going to be a giver, but you never decide what you're going to give, then you're probably never going to get started. You're going to keep waiting and waiting and never get started. Decide that you're going to give, and then decide what you're going to give. And, and again, just trying to be practical and kind of, nudging us to get started here's your homework here's what i'd like you to think about between you and god think about what is the what is the minimum that you will give what is the minimum level of generosity for you that you will consistently give and i know there's other questions to ask but just to get us started right? this is the floor 
we are going to consistently, monthly, every paycheck, every quarter, every whatever, however you want to do it. This is the floor. We always give at least this. This is our generosity uh, uh, floor. This is where we begin. What is that for you? And then practice it. And it may not be where you want it to be right now. Okay, that's between you and God. That's not between you and me. It may not be all that you want it to be right now. There's room for growth. But if you don't have that, find it. This is the minimal amount that we do consistently for God. In other words, we don't wait till we get to the end of the month and think, well, what do we have left over that we can give? Now, just kind of push that aside. Look at your finances, plan, organize, do all of that, but decide that this is the minimal amount we feel like we should give, we should be generous with. And then be consistent with that. Just follow through after that. Right, my, my, my wife and I, this is us. This is where we are. Um, minimal amount for us is at least 10% of our income. We're going to give away. We're going to be generous with. I think, the, I think the Bible puts this as, a, as an aim for us. And we can argue and debate that. I think Jesus commended this percentage giving. That's what we do. That, that's the minimum for us. We're going to start there. And we're going we're gonna to give it every month. Month over month. It's going to be the same thing for us. That's, that's where we are. I, I don't know where you are we don't get into a month and then go oh the power bill is a little bit higher so we're going to give less than that right or the car needs to be repaired so we're going to give less than that uh, or we're going on vacation this month so we're going to give less than that no that's the minimum amount that's that's what we're going to give every single week consistently all throughout the year the, the, there's no i'm going to give once i get to this point right because some of us play that game right I'm going to start giving when we're out of debt. And I understand that. I'm going to start giving when the kids are out of college. I'm going to start giving when I've started my retirement account. Here's what I can tell you. There will always be something to go in the blank after when, if you live that way. There will always be something. I'm going to start giving when there will always be something to fill up that blank at every stage of your life. No matter how old you are, no matter how much you make, there will always be something in that blank. So why not just start? And why not start with a specific God? We're going to do at least this every single month, every single paycheck. I, I, I encourage you to make it a percentage. You don't have to make it my percentage. I would encourage you to make it a percentage, though, because then your giving kind of moves along with your income. What is that for you? Decide that you will give. Decide what you will give. And then just be consistent with that. Third thing, we must decide where we will give. Let's decide where we will give, right? Answer all the questions. That I will give, what I'm going to give, where I'm going to give. There are lots of great places to give. There are lots of wonderful organizations. There are missionaries. There, there are nonprofits. There are Christian organizations. There, there are organizations that fight cancer. There are lots of wonderful organizations. You've got to decide where your giving is going to go, especially that amount that's going to be consistent month after month 
after month. Where's that? Where are you going to give? How are you going to go about being generous? Again, for me and my wife, our minimum amount is 10%, and that 10% comes to the church where we worship. It, it, that's us. It comes to the church where our family receives ministry. I have three teenagers who have come through the student ministry here, and I want more teenagers to learn about Jesus through the student ministry here. We've dedicated eight babies in the last four months at our church. I want those babies to have a children's ministry that's going to teach them about Jesus and, and make them want to come to worship, make them want to be at VBS, make them want to go to kids camp. I want to invest in a church that can have small groups and can do mission trips to Puerto Rico like we're going to do in just a couple of weeks. 14 of us are going to Puerto Rico. I, I, want, to, I want to be a part of a church that can do those sort of things. So for us, the, the what is at least 10%, the, the where is here, we're going to give here. And then we're going to give it some other places on top of that. You have to work through that with God. You have to talk to God about the what and the where of your giving. Number four, decide that you will be open to other giving opportunities. When I say that this is our minimum, I don't mean that's all of what we would give. So that when another giving opportunity presents itself... Our mentality is not, oh, but I already give there. Oh, but I've already done that. Oh, but I give enough. You know, the I gave at the office line doesn't apply to Christian generosity, right? Because, yeah, there's an amount that we give consistently, and we're never not going to give le- uh, th- uh, that amount. We're never going to give less than that amount. But there's also times that God prompts our heart towards another organization or another person or another need or uh, towards an emphasis of our church sometimes. God, this is what I'm going to give consistently. I want to be faithful with this. I'm going to be generous in this way, but if you prompt my heart in another direction, I'll pray about that as well. Admittedly, none of us can give to everything. None of us can meet all of the financial needs. That's not the goal. The goal is that my heart would grow in generosity, that I would be a generous person. Last decision. Decide that you'll be open to other giving opportunities. And lastly, decide that you will grow in your giving. Decide that, that you will never plateau when it comes to generosity in your heart. Uh, Paul has this wonderful line. It's, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where we've been hanging out. Paul writes, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul said our desire for you is not just that you'd have stronger faith. We want that. Our desire is not just that you would love your neighbor better. We want that that your speech would glorify God more and more, we want you to grow in your generosity too. We want you to keep growing in your giving. Again, generosity is not, I did that. It's not checked off. It's not, don't bother me. Don't ask me again. Generosity is, God, how do you want me to grow? How do you want me to get better at being a generous person? These, These are conversations you have to have with God. These are conversations you have to have with your spouse if you're married. Paul said, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. What you've decided in your heart to give. The only way to decide what to give is you have to spend time with this topic. 
You have to pray. You have to ask God, what is that? God, what is it that I'm supposed to give? What am I supposed to give consistently? What organizations am I supposed to support? How am I supposed to support the church where I worship and where, where I'm being spiritually fed? What is that, God? Pray. Ask Him. And then do it. Just try it. You can always stop, right? Like, I will never know if you start and stop. I don't have access to your online account. Like, I don't know what you give and don't give. If you start giving, you think, oh, this is awful. Stop. But what God wants to do in your heart will get accomplished to the degree that your heart is sensitive to the generosity that he wants for you. When you and I can push back our defensiveness, we, we, we can push back the way this subject irritates us, and, and we can believe, God, you want to teach me something through this. You, you want to grow me in this particular area of my life, along with all of the other areas of our lives, then we discover why God asks us to do this. God does not ask us to do things that are ultimately going to harm us. God asks us to do things that are ultimately going to be for our benefit and our growth and our goodness. So just try. Just start. God, we ask that you would work in our hearts. God, we all have bills to pay, and it takes money to live, and most of us have a mortgage. We need vehicles, and it's stressful right now. Inflation and gas and the price of things, it's stressful. But God, help us to decide to be givers. But, but to, between you and us, in our conversation, in our prayers, help us to know what that looks like for us. Help us know how we can honor you in our generosity. God, we do not want to get swept away by the corrosive tendencies of money and materialism. We want to break that chain and break that hold. And you tell us that the quickest way to do that is to give. God, help us to believe that. Help us to believe it enough to try it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.